Ah, welcome. If you're unwelcome anywhere else, you always have a welcome here. You always have a seat at our table and our door is always open. Knocking you shall come in. Welcome to Fishing Without Bait. Welcome to Fool Impact Mindfulness. Welcome to a place where the only requirement is honesty, open-mindedness, and the willingness to try. If you have a few molecules of those, you're on your way. Jump on your surfboard and surf through life and land on our shore where a land without definitive expectations, a land where we aim, a land where we help people not find themselves but create themselves. Use the power of your mind and the power of your voice to empower yourself. So keeping in mind of our mission about fishing without bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we actively seek out and encourage individuals with a creative persona who want to create themselves and create life, we're looking to put people forward. We're looking to place them out into the community. And today we're joined by our new friend, Josh Terquinio, uh, a creative muse. So could you introduce yourself, Josh, please? Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm the author of The Rogue Mountains. If I was looking to hire a writer, if I was looking to hire one, I put one out on Craigslist, I put an ad in all the newspapers, and a, an individual by the name of Josh applied for the job, okay? And let's imagine that uh, you're a friend of his, and he gave you as a reference. Let's say your name is uh, Thaddeus. So when I call you, I'll say, Thaddeus, uh, Josh applied for this job and he gave you as a reference. What can you tell me about him? Uh, well, Josh has written not only a novel and has that under his belt. Uh, he's also been working in the media production business for the last, uh, oh man, it's been 12 years now. So what you're telling me is this individual has some bona fides from him. He just didn't get up in the morning, uh, jot down some thoughts on paper, and decide to call himself an author. Indeed. He can write you some, some marketing copy if you need it in the first place. But uh, as far as the creative writing is concerned, he's been doing that since he was a kid. Okay. So what would, uh, what would some of the challenges uh, Josh have as a writer? You're painting a pretty glowing picture of this individual. So what are some of the challenges <laughs> that uh, I'd be looking at if I hired him as a writer? Um, the challenges I have as a writer, I think, are um, mostly marketing-based. Say more about that. It's pretty, it's, it's, it's tough getting a book out there. You know, it's, there's, there's so many um, other self-published authors. There's a little bit of a stigma left with this whole self-publishing route because there's still a lot of crap out there. Uh, like anybody can do it. Um, but my genre in particularly in particular has a lot of uh, a good indie following. Like the sci-fi fantasy horror. A lot of people like that stuff. So what we do on Fishing Without Bait is what, what we help people is to define a goal. We talk about having goals and ambitions in your life. What's important to you and what, what gives you some purpose in your life? Uh, we often refer to our friend Eric Church, who's a motivational speaker, and he refers to gazelles on the on the plains of Africa. They're big, magnificent animals. They can run very, very quickly. However, they need to be pushed to run. Okay, they need to be pushed. And when that push isn't there, then they stop. Okay. However, then he compares themselves to lions of the savannah that go on the prowl and they do not need pushed. They run from passion and they run from desire. So what's some passion and desires in your life, Josh? Uh definitely the writing and uh music. I love making music. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a driving passion so much as the thing that keeps me sane though. Uh like as far as goals are concerned. 
Um, you know, just owning land. That's a big one. <laughs> that was that was like growing up. That was beat into my head as the measure of of you know success and a, a life goal to achieve. You know, Do own we, land, buy a house, have a family, have a have a firm foundation, a, a center. Yes, okay. those are my goals, and not not having a job that I hate or sucks the life out of me for the rest of my life. And that's a choice, is it not? Yes. So quite often what we what we try to focus on with people is choices. And one of the choices that you made was to write a rather fascinating novel. It was a really it was a really great read. And if I can use an old colloquialism, uh after about the first seventy pages, my friend, it was a page turner. It was a real page turner. <laughs> the the development what we what we help people do is develop depth in their lives, okay? We ask people to develop depth in their conversations that they have with others because words do mean something. Uh, the tongue, that words, they're the only thing that can both heal and hurt a heart. Heal and hurt a heart. So I see that you developed yourself into a wordsmith and you developed characters. So talk a little bit about your character development. Well, I'll tell you what, the theme of the book is nature. And man's place and monster's place in it, or anybody's place in it, for that matter. And you find, as you read, that uh, the people who kind of get their comeuppance uh, are the people who have, and, and things that have gone against nature, or their nature. Uh, the book takes place in a pseudo-1970s. I say pseudo because I don't worry too much about historical accuracy, um, as long as I'm consistent. That's all I care about. Uh, so... There's that. Um, takes place in pseudo 1970s, 20 years after what was supposed to have been the biblical apocalypse. But it turned out that the apocalypse was not the end of the world. Um, and man and monster are currently cohabitating the planet. And this, this book takes place about 50 miles from what was the epicenter of the apocalypse and a tiny mountain town that has been infested by some of the creatures of the apocalypse and how the people have been getting by since then when a self-appointed monster hunter comes to town to help uh, in his self self-appointed task of cleaning out the invasive species as he calls them and uh, returning the earth to the way it was before all this happened. It also follows the uh, story of a tough girl who grew up in the town having never known anything but monsters and goes out hunting them for kicks just because it's the only thing to do uh, that is any kind of fun. And she's sort of got the small town blues and is losing her zest for anything. So what we're talking about is lifetimes of repeated patterns of behavior. So what we don't know, we usually fear. Okay. Uh, so one of the things that we talk about in particularly on this program is something called contempt prior to investigation. So we generally have a generalization, a predisposed idea how, how something is without actually understanding it or doing any investigation. And a lot of that's based on fear. And there was plenty of fear in this book, Josh. Oh, well, thanks. That's what I was going for. I was hoping to. <laughs> so fear is one of the motivating factors. Fear is a corroding thread that goes throughout our lives. And generally, if we don't understand something, then we fear it. And generally, when we fear something, what do we want to do? We want to harm it or we want to kill it. Or get away from it. Or get away from it. So 
tell us a little bit about the, the character development that you have. Tell us about tell us about Valentine. Tell us about Ariana. Tell us about Jeremy. Valentine was created to basically be the archetypal male uh, hero. You know, he would be, he's like the the Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's the Jason Statham. He's the guy every guy wants to be. You know, he's a he's a gruff, um, self-appointed monster hunter. He's been traveling around since a monster killed his father back around the time of the uh, the events of Pittsburgh, as they're called, because that's where the apocalypse happens. And uh, he, so, yeah, he's been traveling. Basically, he's been making concentric circles outward from the city, trying to to rid the earth of the monster scourge. So he has, he has an obsession. He's got a bit of an obsession with it. So what makes something a monster, Josh? What makes something a monster? Uh, well, in this book, the monsters are indeed monsters. They're grotesque uh, beings from hell um, or, you know, other, or otherwise. So. so as we often talk about on our show, we talk about everything is a matter of perception and perspective. It's how we look at things and how we, how our how our past has affected our present and our future. It's what we've learned and what necess- not necessarily what we've learned is correct. Okay. And I found that as uh, you began to explain uh, what is hell in this book, what is heaven in this book, what, how, and how the people fit into it, particularly the uh, protagonist Mara. Indeed. Antagonist. Antagonist. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, not just her, but there's another supernatural being in the in the book as well who brings up uh, the fact that maybe it's humans that are the monsters and not necessarily those supernatural beings because really every no nobody gets out of bed in the morning with the express idea that they're going to ruin someone else's day. You know, and, and whether it's the case of a demon or the guy that got you off in traffic. You know, <laughs> so we often talk about intentions. What is the intention? So I have rather large feet, Josh. And if you walk past me and tripped, was <laughs> it my intention to trip you? No. However, if I stuck my leg out, then that would be, I would be intentionally tripping you. Mm-hmm. So there's a real line between what is evil and what is someone's nature, what is acceptable in one culture and what is unacceptable in another. And I think you, you make that very nice, be- the wordplay between Mara and Valentine and Ariana and Jeremy. Say more about that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You talk about, like, if you were to go out of your way to trip me, that would be uh, a jag-off move to do. But if for whatever reason you were some kind of being that it was in your nature to trip people or you just had really big feet that just happened to be in the way, like I couldn't fault you for that. And in the same way in the book, there's a demon and even she doesn't know, you know, what uh, what it all means, because now she's on Earth where the humans live, where the nature is one way, but she's from a place where her nature uh, requires her to be evil in their world. Evil's a relative term also. Mm -hmm. So Mara struggles with her nature quite often, with her her urges. And uh, really and truly what I'm looking at is she was attempting to change. She was actually talking to herself, asking, do I want to be this way? To a degree. I kind of tried to leave that to a a point of 
you know, by the end, you don't really know if she was ever lying or telling the truth in the first place. She that that whole thing could have just been a demon trick. Every last little word could have been a lie. And that's the beautiful thing about it is like when you when you see a painting, it's open to your interpretation to the viewer or the, in this case the reader's interpretation. And somebody might ask the painter or the author what did you mean by that? And they might have their interpretation of it. But other people may have an entirely different interpretation, may just maybe just as correct because it's people's perceptions. You opened up you opened up a whole new world of creativity, a whole new world of thought. Thanks. And that's what we ask people That's what I try to do. That's what we ask people to do here. We ask them to use their minds and what we ask people to do is have beginners' minds rather than experts' minds. When we enter into reading your book, sometimes if we would read Cliff Notes or would read somebody else's review of it, we'd already have a preconceived notion of what we're getting into. So what we try to help people do on the, in our particular world, Josh, is we help people to have a beginner's mind. And I know we've explained this before. However, we always use this analogy. Have you ever seen a thoroughbred horse race? On TV or... Yeah, I think so. Okay. So thoroughbred horses are big, magnificent animals, and they can do one thing, and they can do it extremely well. Run fast. Run straight, hopefully. Uh, and however, thoroughbred horses have what over their eyes? Blinders. They have blinders, and they can only see in one direction. They're focused on something. They have a preconceived notion, and they generally find what they want to see. Okay. So have you ever been around a three- or four-year-old child? And they walk into some place that they've never been before. Their eyes are full of what? Wonder. Wonder. Wonder and joy. And they, they have no preconceived notions about, about life, do they? Mm -hmm. Everything's wonderful and joyful, and they participate in the moment. So that's what my att I attempted to walk into your book with having beginner's mind. Uh, I'm a fan of the genre, uh, sword and sorcery, the, the, the fiction types of books, the wizardry, sword and sorcery types of things. And this did not, this is, did not have the template type of feel, uh, the boilerplate type of deal that uh, most of those do. So tell us where some of your inspiration came from in this. Um, yeah, uh, you say this, it doesn't feel like there's a template at all to it. And I, I, I believe that's because, uh, the most important thing is is theme. Know what you're talking about, and where it's what message you're trying to get across. Don't worry about how the story is gonna uh, exactly unfold. Just make sure that you make your point and make it with each character. So in order to do that, obviously you have to have an arc. You have to have everybody. Everybody has to have struggles and stuff. There's some there's one author I forget who it was, but he said, uh, you know, make make characters that. Uh, people will like and then make bad things happen to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so you got to do that. You got to give people struggles. And of course, people like action. People don't like long soliloquies, uh, uh, philosophizing. And there's you made a nice blend of that. However, what I'm what I was most impressed with is you took some time, okay, to lay a foundation really and truly for each character. You explored each one of their facets. It's just like wasn't everybody was in a room and you just talked briefly about each person. Right. And then everybody started dying. <laughs> so how did, so tell me about creating the personalities for each one, uh, the, the assigning attributes to each one of them and which uh, direction they were going to go in. 
Uh, yeah, so there's, let's see, Ballantyne, who was, uh, you know, again, archetypal, gruff, male, doesn't take any crap, Clint Eastwood, just killing monsters, taking names uh, kind of guy, bringing him into town. Um, you had uh, Nigel, the British adventurer, just because uh, I wanted somebody different, somebody, some sort of an outsider, someone I could have um, where... Uh, who who didn't know necessarily know all the customs so that I could explain stuff. You know, he's not from uh, America where this whole thing took place. Therefore, he may not have been experienced with monsters before. So we get a chance to explain to the audience some things. Um, but a, also, he added a little color to it. He was a bit of an, he was a bit of an anomaly. He wasn't a standard character that would have lived in the Appalachian Mountains of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he was a piece, if he was a fashion accessory, he'd he'd have been the uh, the uh, the pocket square, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of flair to add to the story to keep things interesting, and and a little bit of comedy, you know, because if you get too serious, then you end up with the uh, the uh, the soap opera effect where mm. it's just so serious the whole time that it ends up being funny. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.